We all want to get a ticket to that game or that concert that we've desperately, desperately been trying to get to. And now with the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program, you can get to whatever event you would like to attend. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all live events that you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice, all in the Vivid Seats app. To make things even easier, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. Just go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and sporting events to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite event right now enter promo code kickoff at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. It's a new football season. Le'Veon Bell is with the New York Jets. Odell Beckham is in Cleveland, but one thing hasn't changed. And that is that my bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs $100 to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. MyBookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Right now, you can double your first deposit with a first deposit bonus worth up to $1,000. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim your bonus. You bet. You win, you get paid. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to Locked On Bucks podcast. I am David Harrison, joined as I am on every Thursday by Evan Winter of BucksNation.com. Follow us both on Twitter. Follow me at DH82 underscore Bucks. Follow Evan at Evan underscore Winter. Follow the show at Locked On Bucks and then find everything we're reading over at BucksNation.com and on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation. Evan, we're going to try to get past this Giants game. We've got a few <laughs> more voicemails that kind of stem from the Giants game, but they also kind of talk about the future, so we're going to fit them in here. Um, real quick, just kind of like a public service service announcement to the to the listeners. You guys have been doing great with voicemails, and, and we definitely appreciate it. Uh, you guys bring up a lot of great stuff. But I just kind of want to let you guys know how our schedule works uh, going into the week. We kind of follow the way that the team does, right? So Sunday we do our immediate reactions, get your immediate reactions in, and then we try to share them on the show as well. And then Monday we record kind of our follow-up, right? We've got more in-depth, some context. We maybe we get a chance to watch the game again and get some, you know, get a different view of things uh, and bring a little bit more of a thought-out uh, reaction following that. And then we play some more of your guys' reactions. Um, after that episode, however, so after Tuesday's episode, we move on to the next records Tuesday night with the next opponent, and we have our crossover Wednesday episode, which dropped yesterday. Um, and that's – we're officially on to the Rams, guys. So we have a few voicemails that unfortunately we're not going to be able to play 
just because they are still talking about the Giants. We've kind of talked about the Giants at nauseum. You know, we, we've kind of covered pretty much everything that we can. Uh, we understand the frustrations. We understand the questions that our questions are going to get answered in Los Angeles and then, you know, on and so forth. So sorry to those who, who left further Giants email or voicemails. Um, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to get to them, but we are going to get to some of these questions because they're more future based. So, guys, just if you don't get your, you know, previous week reactions or questions in by, you know, say Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern or so, uh, and you still want to get your thoughts on the show, by all means, please call in. Just kind of gear them towards the future. You know what I mean? Maybe the next opponent or maybe just the future of the team in general, or just start calling in with your thoughts on the next opponent because we definitely want to hear what you guys think about the Rams. And, uh, Evan, as you know, James and I will be recording our final preview of the Buccaneers and Rams matchup tomorrow to be played on Friday. And so guys, listeners out there, if you have any hot takes, if you have any bold predictions or score predictions, you know, uh, by all means, shoot them in. Just remember to keep them under a minute. Uh, we do have a couple, a few voicemails. Like I said, Evan, one specifically, Alex, you're going to hear yours. Yours was three minutes long, brother. We got to <laughs> try to keep them. We, we got to try to keep them under a minute, like a minute, five minute, 10. We can probably let it go. Um, so if you guys go that far over a minute, I'll, I'll, I'll try to keep your kind of your main points in, but I got to trim it. You know what I mean? For, for the show's sake, for the time constraints, uh, due to, you know, what they say in television due to time restrictions, you know, we had to fast forward a little bit. Um, but I will keep Evan and I are going to hear your full voicemail. So when we respond, uh, especially Alex in this one, we're responding to your full voicemail. So everything you said is going to be heard by Evan and myself, but the listeners in this show, you're going to hear kind of a condensed version. I'm going to try to keep the main points in there. But yeah, just so a couple of admin notes uh, before we get started. But Evan, I mean, uh, let's let's go ahead and just jump right into these voicemails. What do you say? Let's do it. Hey, James. Hey, David. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts real quick on a couple of things I was thinking about. So pretty much what I've been noticing is it seems like every week that we have a game, you know, we, we do great in one area and then we have, you know, the pros and cons of of each game like the first week you know Jameis struggled with his turnovers and then the second week we got Carolina we realized that Jameis can actually calm down get the pocket and you know just play like a pocket passer good quarterback and then the third week we were really worried about you know how Mike Evans was going to get into the to the passing game and then he comes out this third game and he gets three touchdowns and almost 200 yards receiving and what I'm really getting at guys is just the fact that you know it seems like every week we're just improving on something differently and then once we improve on it, the next week we follow up with it. You know, regardless of the Giants' loss, I understand that their team really isn't that talented. But do you guys think that we really hit on all levels of uh, most aspects of the game to where we can carry it on into the fourth week against the Rams and just, uh, you know, just have a good team win? Or just give me some thoughts on what we get, what else we can improve on that we haven't seen yet um, from the Bucks. Again, guys, love the podcast. Keep it going and uh, go Bucks. Yeah, I mean, we saw it in the first half of the game last week against the team we will not speak of. Um, I mean, the, for the first two quarters, everything went great. Uh, 28-10, heading into halftime. Um, offense firing. I mean, what Jameis Winston had over 260 pass yards in the first half. Mike Evans had three touchdowns. The running game was going. I believe they were averaging over five yards a carry. Uh, the defense was playing well, had a couple sacks, only limited to the team that which we will not name uh, to 10 points in the first half. 
And that one little quarterback, I don't even remember his name. He's so insignificant. He wasn't playing very well either. I mean, that the whole team was just insignificant, if you know what I mean. So, but um, in terms of carrying it over uh, for four quarters of play, Obviously, we haven't seen that. Probably the closest we we would come would be the Carolina game, and even then, we still had some um, inconsistencies as well. Um, so, I mean, they're going to get there eventually. Uh, we've seen the flashes. We've seen them string together moments where they have played well, the Bucks, um, and where I think they could really still improve. Honestly, and this is going to sound crazy considering that they have Shaq Barrett, but their pass rush. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at football outsiders um, in terms of uh, pass rush, um, how they do their thing, and if you're not familiar with football outsiders, it's advanced analytics website. Great, great website. Um, they calculate more than just raw data. They um, also implement game situation. You know, the opponent the opponent doesn't get factored until after week four, but they still they take a lot more into account than your typical stats. Um, and when it comes to the defensive line for the Bucks, they're right in the middle at 15th. When it comes to uh, sack percentage, with only a seven point four percent sack rate, um, Carl Nassib got him one last week, um, but really he's the only other buck outside of Shaq Barrett that's um, recorded a sack so far this year. So if I could see a little bit more pass rush, um, the pressure's been great, but in terms of getting the quarterback on the ground uh, from other players not named Shaq Barrett, then that mm-hmm. would be great. Yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, at the end of the day, I think consistency really is going to be the key for this team moving forward because I think we've seen good, solid things from every single level of this team. Certainly. It's just a matter of getting them to do it all at one time. And James and I kind of referred to that when we talked about uh, this last week's game that, you know, it's great. Like we, we've we've seen uh, Matt Gay nail, you know, some some really impressive kicks. I mean, I was in Tampa when I when I watched Matt Gay kick a game winning field goal into the wind, like with wind, you know, with bad weather on the, you know, the field was wet and everything. So I know that he can do it. Evan, you saw him kick some boomers while you were in Tampa. Uh, so we know he can do it. Jameis Winston has played well. Rojo's run well. Peyton's run well. Mike Evans has blown up. Chris Godwin's been a contributor. OJ did better. Uh, the offensive line has played solid. The defensive front has been getting pressure. The linebackers have been getting home. The secondary has been shutting down receivers. They're just not doing it at the same time uh, every time. <laughs> so I think uh, consistency and, you know, I mean, complimentary football is, is every, every coach talks about it. Complimentary football. If you don't yep. have complimentary football, then you're going to have struggles. And that's kind of going to lead into a, a later discussion. And we kind of agree with Josh where we, we see positives on every level of this team. We've seen some good things from every level of this team, but it's, you know, it's kind of, it's, I think that's where a lot of this Bucks fan frustration comes from is, you know, hashtag it's a Bucks life. What what needs to fail in the in crunch time will will eventually fail, you know, and, and that's just kind of how this team feels. If if the defense needs a big stop, that's going to be the drive they don't get the big stop. If Jameis needs a big score, that's going to be the drive that he throws a bad interception. When he doesn't throw the bad interception, that's going to be the drive where Matt Gay misses the field goal. I mean, it's you know rinse repeat. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what we need to see from this team. I would say that I'm. I believe this team is closer to getting all those things in sync than previous versions of this team. Oh, certainly, yeah. And if the coaching staff can stop making their little mistakes that they've been making the last couple of weeks, then yeah, everything should just gel just fine. Yeah. So we will get to that, but first, before we talk about the coaches, let's talk about the general manager. Hey guys, I'm 26. Uh, after taking 24 hours to decompress after that rough pill to swallow, uh, you know what? I come, I just keep coming back to this. Jason Light has had what five? I think this is five years now to 
gets the team built for success. The only positions that are really built is the wide receivers and the linebackers. Everything else has been just misses upon misses upon misses. I mean, maybe maybe James Winston is on the way up. We don't know. It's still very early to tell. But regardless if you like national pundits or not, Shannon Sharp, a Hall of Fame tight end, says on his show that Tampa is a terrible team. And you know what? It's really hard to argue. I mean, good teams and great teams do not do what Tampa Bay did on Sunday. They just don't. And Jason Light has had five years to construct a Super Bowl-caliber team. And I'm sorry, he has failed. I have been I have been one of Light's biggest supporters, but you know what? I, I just cannot anymore. He literally, like, this secondary is so thin with experience, your best player, or the best player on the team has been injury-prone and uh, is, like, what, 24 or something in Vernon Hargraves? We're, we needed some, we need somebody with serious, like, experience, like, Super Bowl experience or whatever. Darian Stewart isn't that, and, uh, Kentrell Bryce has said that, even though that he did great things in the preseason. We need somebody that has a, quite a bit of experience in that department, and he failed to get somebody like that. His secondary is way too young, and, I mean, I love that they finished their tackles and all that stuff, but you know what? The best secondaries make sure that the balls aren't even caught. It's just, <laughs> I've just lost all, like, faith in Jason Light, and I know you guys probably disagree, and that's fine, but I truly believe that this, t- I mean, coaching is going to go a long way, I believe, but I do not think this team will be Super Bowl bound with Jason Light at the helm. All right, Evan. Jason Light. It was only a matter of time uh, before Jason's <laughs> name got brought into these conversations. Uh, I mean, you heard him. You heard Chef. Uh, Chef, of course, thanks for the call. I mean, uh, Evan, you heard him. What do you, what do you think? I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, first, he kept using the word Super Bowl. I haven't thought about the Super Bowl since probably 2009, to be honest. Um, I believe, don't get me wrong, I know every fan base wants to reach the Super Bowl. They want to win the Super Bowl. But I believe if you're looking, if you have Super Bowl aspirations with this team, especially over the past decade, um, you might want to just tamper those down just a little bit. Um, when ta- when Jason Light came in to 2014, I mean, Look at the roster he had. He had Josh McCown starting at quarterback. He had Anthony Collins as his left tackle. He did make the Logan Mankins trade. He had Evan Dietrich-Smith, Patrick Omame as his right guard. And like I said, Dietrich-Smith as his center. William Golston starting defensive end. Michael Johnson, another defensive end. I believe he brought him in as as a free agent that year. But he didn't. Point being, he did not have much at all whenever he first came in for the Bucks. Um he arguably or he drafted arguably the best quarterback in Tampa Bay history, even though that's not saying much. He's got Mike Evans. Um, I mean, there's a lot there's a lot of ups and downs with Jason Lai's career, but he's also made some really good moves. Yes, he's always made some really bad moves. And honestly, I think if Matt Gay makes that kick last week, then we're not talking about this right now. So right. I can I can understand why people are upset with him. But at the same time, you got to look at where the Bucks were. They were two and fourteen whenever, or they were just coming off of a losing season. Sorry, they finished two and fourteen in two thousand fourteen. Um, they were just coming off of a really bad season in twenty thirteen, uh, seven or nine, I believe it was with um, with uh, Shiano at the helm. And then he didn't have, like I said, he didn't have anything starting with outside of a few just small pieces. So 
I can understand the frustration, but at the same time, Super Super Bowl aspirations are a little high. I would look more towards playoffs, maybe a winning season. That would be nice. Um, and then start from there and, you know, just also take a look at a lot of the other things he's done over his career as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, Chef, you, you've been listening to the show, uh, you know, long enough. And that's and you even said in your voice, Mother, we're probably going to disagree with you. And and obviously James isn't here to respond, but I can pretty much tell you that he's going to disagree as far <laughs> as uh, Jason Light being responsible for some of the ineptitude. I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, he's he's responsible, right? So any any type of leadership role that you take, uh, chef, you're up chef, right? So you know just as well as anybody else, like you don't cook every single thing in your kitchen, but at the end of the day, you're responsible for the product that comes out, right? Jason Light is, is the same. So is Jason Light responsible? Yes, Jason Light is 100 respons- 100% responsible for the product that the Buccaneers put on the team or on the field, just like the coaching staff is, so on and so forth. However, there's a difference between responsibility and who's to blame, right? And for me, the further you get away from the playing field, the harder it's going to be for me to really sit here and say that you are to blame or that you should be fired without a lot more internal knowledge coming out of how that organization operates because we all know how it's supposed to work, right? General manager is kind of the boss of the coach and and kind of helps build the roster, but he makes the decisions. And da, 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 da. He didn't start building this team until 2016. Because right. when Lovey came in, Lovey had all the say on the roster, which is why you got exactly. you had guys like Chris Conte coming in, so on and so forth. Josh so, McCown. Josh McCown, yeah. So while Jason Light was the general manager, he wasn't the guy buying the groceries, so to speak, right? Lovey bought the groceries. And then the team went with Dirt Cutter because it was either lose Dirt Cutter to somebody else or make him your own head coach and keep your right. – quote unquote franchise quarterback with the offensive coordinator that had shown some success and some growth in that year. And I don't know if that was Jason Light's decision. I don't know if that was a Glazer decision. I don't know if it was a joint decision. We don't know who who made that decision. You know what I mean? So right. that could have been a decision that Jason Light didn't want to do. He's like, hey, listen, like I understand where you're coming from, but Dirk Cutter is not head coach material. We shouldn't do this. This is a bad move. It'd be better to let him walk and find somebody else that is willing and wants to coach, excited to coach James Winston. And maybe the Glazers said, yeah, no, we're keeping Dirt Cutter. So that's not Jason Light's fault. You know what I mean? And then again, the conversations going on between the coach. Now, during the end of Dirt Cutter's time, I said many, many times, there's a disconnect. There was a disconnect between Dirt Cutter and Jason Light. Like the types of players that, that Jason Light was drafting versus the type of players that would fit Mike Smith and Dirt Cutter's offense and defense, they weren't jiving. And it was very confusing, but again, we're not in the room. You know what I mean? Like, so if I find out that Dirk Cutter is saying, Hey, don't draft, I don't know, Noah Spence. He doesn't fit what Mike Smith needs. We need this guy instead. And Jason says, nah, I really like Noah Spence. I'm drafting him anyway. Uh, then yeah, that's absolutely on Jason. But if Jason's saying, Hey, I really like this other guy, but Mike Smith and Dirk Cutter in the room pounding the table say, no, I need Noah Spence to make my scheme work. And Dirk says, okay, I give in to you, coach. You know your scheme better than I do. I will give you the player you want. I draft you Noah Spence. Then that's on the coaches. Or is it still on the general manager because he ultimately made the decision he gave in? You know what I'm saying? Like, There's a lot of things that go into who's to blame. So I'm never going to get to the point where I say Jason likes to blame for the whole thing and just fire him unless we get some more of that type of information. I don't see that happening. Um, right. No, and, and I'll give you a number real quick. 12. 
That's how many starters he's drafted since 2014, not including the 2019 draft. So you're looking at one, two, three, four, five. You're looking at five drafts from 2014 to 2018 where he uh, drafted 12 starters. You're talking about Mike Evans, Quan Alexander, Ali Marpet, Donovan Smith, Jameis Winston, uh, Vernon Hargraves, Kendall Beckwith, Chris Godwin, Justin Evans, O.J. Howard, Jordan Whitehead, Alex Kappa, Carlton Davis, uh, and Vita Vea. So actually it's 14. Yeah. My bad, I can't even count. So, I mean, when you look at his body of work overall, yeah, he's had some huge misses. Roberto Aguayo, mm-hmm. I know people are hating on Matt Gay right now, and even Donovan Smith has been up and down. But regardless, you look at some of the the, the players that he has hit on, and he's done fine. So I mean, mm-hmm. and if you're shooting, if you're shooting that, if you're doing 14 starters in a five year span, that's almost three starters every year. So that to me is good enough to keep the job going. I do find it strange though that this is his third head coach. You normally you don't see a GM last through three head coaches, but hey, I guess yeah. he, he's still he's still standing tall. But see, again, that kind of goes back to the Lovey and Dirk thing. Like I don't think like. If Dirk Cutter's not getting head coach offers, do the Buccaneers still fire Lovey and, uh, and replace yeah, him with Dirk? Point. Yeah, good question, man. You yeah, know what I mean? Good question, right? So I kind of feel, and and we're a few years separated from that, so it's kind of hard to tap back into those memories and all that all stuff. Right. But I kind of feel like if Dirk wasn't getting lured away to be a head coach somewhere else, I think San Francisco was one of the places that was talking to him or something. That Lovey and Dirk stay as a head coach, offensive coordinator. Uh, for another year, and you know who knows what happens after that. Obviously, that's that's a whole other timeline that we can't even get into. Right. But the biggest thing I keep wrapping wrap back around to is pretty much everyone. All right, you have the happy Buccaneers fans who are like, I see growth, and they're saying this team is so talented. You know, this team is more talented than a one and two record. And then I see the angry ones who say, I don't get it. This team is so talented and better than the teams they're losing to. So if the roster is better, then the general manager is doing his job. Right. Um, his main job, which is to build the team. If the if the players aren't getting the best performance out of themselves, that's either on the player individually. There's a reason Noah Spence is not here anymore, or it's on the coaches. There's a reason Mike Smith's not here anymore. You know what I mean? So that, again, there's just there's just a lot involved in that conversation. Just be able to say, here's you know Jason Light needs to be fired. Um, now I will agree that there's a clock and it's ticking and it's counting down and. There's got to be some results, you know, coming up, coming up sometime soon, or Jason's just going to run out of time, whether it's his fault or not. Like he may not be the problem, but he also may not be the solution at a certain time. So going back to the coaching, just look at Matt Ryan in Atlanta, look at Atlanta in general yeah. right now, yeah. you know, who their offensive yeah. coordinator is. And we know that Mike Smith was the problem for the defense. I mean, Scott Reynolds inside piece that came out last year with uh, a lot of um, off the record sources. It's telling him um, on pewterreport.com about how there were specific communication breakdown and issues and stuff like that mm-hmm. and how Mike Smith would come in during halftime and just look flustered and not have any answers or, know, or not know what to do in order to fix the problem. So, man, we know it was coaching at this point in time. Yeah. So, yeah, you got to throw in that ring as well. Guys, the Buccaneers did a sensing session. They did an anonymous sensing session they handed professional football players anonymous surveys and said tell us what's going on <laughs> nobody will know you said it just let us know please tell think us something. about that that was less than 12 months ago think about <sighs> that all yeah, right let's, crazy, move, let's move on this is alex from north carolina been listening to the show for the past two seasons or so and this is my first time calling in uh, i want to address kind of the optimism you guys have uh, 
following the last, you know, your last podcast, which I did enjoy. I wanted to ask, how can you possibly be optimistic about this team? We're looking at a team with a secondary that got absolutely demolished by a rookie quarterback and no running game, essentially. The run defense is excellent. But the secondary in, 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 in pass defense just got absolutely destroyed by Daniel Jones, and they could have gotten destroyed the week previously to Cam Newton, who just happened to miss a bunch of throws that he probably would have made if he were healthy. I don't know what makes anyone think that's going to look any better, you know, on the road against tougher competition. Kicking issues, Matt Gain missed a 42-yarder against Carolina that could have cost us the game. Missed two extra points and a game winner that did cost us the game. I mean, I, I'm ready to cut him. I don't know how many chip shots he needs to miss or games he has to cost us before we start, you know, questioning whether he should be on the team or not. And so I don't see how anyone can think that this is going to look any better on the road against tougher competition. All right, Alex. Um, yeah, so we appreciate you listening. First of all, hopefully it's not the last time uh, we hear from you. Hopefully our future conversations will be a little bit happier. We'll see what happens starting in Los Angeles, of course. Um, so, Evan, yeah, like I said, so that voicemail, uh, three minutes long. However, the listeners are only going to hear about a minute and some change of it. Uh, the parts that they didn't really hear so much, a little bit about the coaching decisions, the, the two timeouts, uh, some of the play calling stuff, and then penalties on the defense, which, yeah, James and I have been talking about Carlton Davis specifically for uh, pretty much the entire season uh, since he started collecting all those flags. But, yeah, obviously a very frustrated uh, Bucks fan. And, he was he was definitely in the mentions on the Lockdown Bucks Twitter account the other day, um, and then him and, and another follower kind of started getting getting into it, going back and forth. And guys, listen, uh, freedom of speech, all that stuff. I'm all about it. Um, calling each other names, I'm pretty much just going to stop. Uh, yeah, my role in that whole thing. Uh, I'm not going to block you or mute you or anything like that, um, unless you really start just getting nasty with each other. But as soon as I see a name get called uh, one way or the other, I'm pretty much just going to bow out of the conversation. But yeah, I mean, a lot of frustration, and you know, this this team isn't without uh, you know its shortcomings. But Evan, before I kind of address you know where where James and I have been coming from, I want to let you chime in on on Alex's frustration. I mean, I get it. Trust me. Um, all you can do is really laugh at this point, at least, or that's what I did whenever I saw Matt Gay miss that kick to lose the game last year. Um, but look, man, I mean. I know, yes, the Giants are not a good football team, or at least we thought they weren't a good football team. Maybe this will spark some kind of run. I mean, and you also got to take into consideration the Giants, They had the Bucks had no tape on these guys coming in. Um, even Pat Schremer said that the offense was going to be different, and it's really hard to study an opponent's tendencies no matter who they are whenever you have no tape on them you know, whatsoever. And teams go through bad losses every year. I mean, we all remember the, the loss um, the Patriots took to a one and two Kansas City Chiefs team back in 2014, uh, the 41 to 14 loss on I think it was Monday night or Sunday night, one of the two, um, where everybody was saying Tom Brady was done and all that stuff. Last year, um, the Saints lost to a crappy Carolina team towards the end of the year, 33 to 14 at home in New Orleans. So, I mean, teams have bad games. Um, yes, it's distressing. It felt like Buck football the entire time as we watched the collapse. But, man, keep your head up. I promise. This team's improving. And, look, this might get repetitive. This might be redundant, whatever words you want to use. Um, but we saw this team – come back from a tough home loss and go on the road and win a big game already once this season. They went to Carolina on Thursday night. Obviously, the Rams are a completely different animal. But 
who's to say they can't do it again? And that'll also be the sign of a good coaching staff or a task staff that has this team prepared to come out and win a game when they absolutely need to do so. And that will make up for a lot of the mistakes as well. I mean, we've said from the beginning, this is going to be an up and down year. There are going to be bumps. It's not going to be 11 and five first round by, even though I don't think that's ever happened before, but you know what I'm saying? 11 and five playoffs, you know, that, that, that in all that good stuff, but it's going to be bumpy this year. I'm telling you, Bruce Arians is figuring out this roster. The roster's figuring out Bruce Arians, and we're going to have to take some lumps like this. But keep your head up, man. It's not. It's not that bad. I promise. It kind of goes in line with the first voicemail, right? You you see, you see negatives across the board, right? Jameis Winston threw some nasty interceptions in, in the first week. You know, Peyton Barber did pretty much nothing uh, in in against San Francisco, and then Ronald Jones did pretty much nothing against Carolina. You know, uh, the, the defense has has had its moment. The defense has, by and large, been really good. Yeah. And then, yeah, they yeah. had a really bad half. Um, I think, Evan, it was on your show where I said this defense is extremely young. And whenever you have an extremely young defense playing really well, you know there is a letdown game coming. For sure. And the hope was that when that letdown game came, that the offense would be able to cover it. The Buccaneers defense didn't have a letdown game. They had a letdown half. And this offense wasn't able to cover it. So really, the only way in this situation the Buccaneers would the Buccaneers coaching staff would have come out without being you know insulted or accused of being you know inadequate is if they scored a touchdown, which of course is the goal, right? But that's right. hindsight. That's hindsight scouting, and and you can't you can't hold hindsight against somebody. the The theory was sound, right? And, and at the end of the day, the coaching staff gave Jameis Winston and that offense the best opportunity they could to give them the opportunity to score. They came to the line with an RPO, a run-pass option, which means the quarterback reads the defense, says, here's what I think I see compared to the film study and everything else because this team did study the defense. And Bruce said in his press conference that he agreed with the call because he thought by the way the defense looked, or by by the way the defense lined up, it looked like they were going to come with a certain defensive attack, which that Peyton Barber run was good for. I'm pretty, However, sure he, I'm pretty sure he even said he made the call. Yeah. But when the ball got snapped, the the Rams defense did or the, the Giants defense did something that they weren't expecting in that defensive formation. It happened. That's football. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's just a case yeah. of the Giants coaching staff beating the Buccaneers coaching staff. That yeah. doesn't make you incompetent. It just no. means you lost the snap. Right. I mean, the Patriots coaching staff came down to Nashville and got their butts kicked last year, 34 to 14. I mean, it happens. I mean, it's just a good adjustment on that by the Giants. And I mean, that's plain and simple. Sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. Yeah. And if we want to talk about coaching staff's learning, right? So the very next Buccaneers possession, they still have the lead. They have the ball under five minutes left on the clock. They have a third down play. Uh, It's third and two, again, from a different field position, obviously, but third and two. And instead of running on third down like they had done on the previous third and two, they threw the ball and they didn't get the first down. Well, if they had to run the ball and they didn't get the first down, we'd have articles left and right talking about how Byron Leftwich lost faith in Jameis Winston. You know what I mean? Right. But if they ran the ball and got the first down and ran the clock down to the two-minute warning or under, and then the Giants don't have time to come back and get that game-winning score, then we're talking about how Byron Leftwich trusted his running backs and they pounded the clock out of the Giants. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's hindsight scouting and, and you can't that's where that's where people get in trouble. It is well, 
No, I just and that and that's kind of why like we do our initial reactions. You know what I mean? And James and I had initial reactions. We had questions about the the conservativeness of the play call too, which is what initial reactions are for. But then you listen to the press conferences. You listen to the coaches give you the information. Say this is why we did this. This is what we were thinking in this moment. This is and does that does that theory hold water? Right? Bruce Arians came out and said we had been pounding the ball all the way down the field. Why not stomp in the mud hole one more time? That makes sense. That's that's football one on one. If you're if you're imposing your will on somebody and they can't physically stop you, you don't say, "Oh well, we'll stop ourselves." You know, that's like you don't go to a cage into an octagon with with another fighter and you're just landing knees all day, and then the <laughs> second round come out and say, "Man, I've been landing knees the entire first round. I'm not throwing any knees right now." No, you keep throwing knees until that dude blocks them. You know what I mean? So that's yeah. sound decision making. It didn't work, but the theory, the reasoning behind it was competent. Well, do you remember the drive last year in Atlanta where Jameis gets him down to about the three-yard line? He tries to hit um, – I can't remember exactly who it was. I want to say Deshaun Jackson for some reason. Mm-hmm. But he tries to hit him in the middle of the back of the end zone, and it bounces off the defender's back helmet, and it's a pick. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, I just – I love how, you know, and a lot of these people who are questioning – not everybody, but a lot of people who are questioning the third and two are also ones that question Jameis all the time and, uh, and to an unreasonable extent – and I just love how all of a sudden now it's, oh, well, Jameis will never never win us games. And then when they get in that position, why are you running the ball? Throw the ball. You know, yeah. it's just yeah. it's just all. Awesome. But that's also part of the beauty of football. So you well, that's part of being a fan. Play. Like, you know, right. yeah, exactly. I don't I don't get angry at fans for it. It's just it's that's what we're here for. Guys. Like, we're not we're not, you know, blindly optimistic. This is a one in two team. Evan, what did you predict predict this team's record to be in the beginning of the year? Uh, seven and nine. Yeah, I predicted eight and eight. Um, I don't know what James predicted. But I, I believe was Gil was the only one who predicted double digit wins. Yeah, Gil was yeah, Gil was the only one who went ten and six on us. Yeah, everybody yeah. else was right around the seven, six six to uh I think James went nine and seven. So I think yeah. everybody was around the six to nine mark. So at best, so at least for this show, right? So for me, you and James, our window for this team of expectation is seven and nine to nine and seven. Right. So that's so Alex, I mean, in real like that's the lens we're looking through here. You know what I mean? Like that's why you might hear what you think is over overly optimistic. We're not overly optimistic. We're looking at this as an eight and eight team or a seven and nine team or a nine and seven team. If you have a team that's going seven and nine, eight and eight or nine and seven, them being one and two and having lost some games they should have won is kind of on par. Yep. Exactly. You know what I mean, honestly, yeah. like it's kind of on par. What you're looking for is the ability to win these games because that's what's going to keep them around that 500 mark as they get closer to the end of the season. And that's kind of the last thing I want to say with this voicemail is. This team has three games left before the bye, right? Ram, Rams, Saints, Panthers, bye. So three. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Titans are after the bye. So they've yeah. got Rams, Saints, Panthers, and then the bye. That's their next three games. To me, they need to win two of those three to be on track for where I expected them to be coming out of the bye, which is 500. If the Buccaneers oh, yeah. come out of the bye at 500, they're in a good position. A great position because they've got the Titans, who are a it's a winnable game. They've yeah. got the majority of their December is going to be played in Florida, yep. which is a huge get. It's a huge win. Yep. Um, if the Buccaneers can win two of these three games, they've already beaten the Panthers, so we know they can beat the Panthers. And right? that was with Cam, that was with Cam Newton. So. That was with Cam Newton. Grant Kyle Allen uh, looks looked pretty good, but again, yeah, it's the Arizona yeah, Cardinals too. Yeah, we'll we'll wait. We'll wait on that one. Wait yeah. a couple more weeks on that one. Um. <laughs> The Saints, right? Listen, the Saint. When you talk about the Saints, 
the Saints beat the Seattle Seahawks by outscoring them. The strength right. of this Buccaneers team right now, I would argue, is still the defense. Even though they had the letdown half against the Giants, it's still the defense. So if this defense can keep Russell Wilson, or Russell Wilson, Teddy Bridgewater, from putting up all those points, then this offense should be able to put up enough points against that Saints defense to give them a chance to win. So well, Saints, Saints, Saints also had a, a punt return touchdown and a fumble return for a touchdown against the Seahawks. Oh, there you go. There you yeah. go. I didn't even watch that game. Um, that, that was my upset special, so I had, oh, nice. I had to watch it. <laughs> so, yeah, so if you get two out of these three wins, if the if the Bucks get two out of these three wins from the Rams, Panthers, and Saints, most likely it's going to be Panthers and Saints, probably not the Rams, then you're right on track for where we expected you. Now, Alex, I don't know what you expected. Chef, I don't know what you expected. Josh, I don't know what you expected. Like, Josh sounds really enthusiastic. Yeah, maybe Josh sure. thought four wins was the ceiling for this team. So the fact that they should be three and zero, he's like, "Woo, buddy, let's go." You know what I mean? I don't know, but a lot of this, I think, is expectation management. Like, if you expected 10, 11 wins in a playoff berth, then yeah, you're probably really disappointed right now. But this team was five and eleven last year for a reason. They've had forty percent, forty plus percent turnover for a reason. They're putting this thing together with a whole new coaching staff and almost half of a brand new roster for a reason. It's going to take time, and which is why, which is one of the reasons why. Now, if this team goes eight and eight this year, then that means that they're putting some things together. Which means next year, depending on scheduling, of course, and all that stuff, I'll probably feel a little bit more comfortable with going nine and seven, ten and six, eleven and five. You know what I mean? That's where things can really start to get rolling. But yeah, I, I think some of it has to do with expectation management. I know a lot of people got and and Alex, if you were listening all of last week ahead of the Giants game, I mean, brother, I, I was saying it all week, like. The same, this ain't the rollover game people think it is. And I'll tell you, at halftime, I was like, ooh, I was wrong. And this is cool that I was wrong. And then the third quarter happened, and I was like, okay, oh maybe I wasn't wrong. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> um, but you know what? But So, let's, so Evan, we're, we're so out of time. But you know what? We're, gonna, we're just going to go over. I'll get yelled at. It's fine. Overdraft fees. It's time for them to die. Surprise bank charges over a couple bucks in your account are useless, painful, and nothing but pure profit for big banks. Thanks to the Dave app, you never have to pay an overdraft fee again. Dave is the number one budgeting app in America because it saves you from overdraft fees, tells you about upcoming bills, and can advance you $75 from your next paycheck with no credit check and no interest. Get the Dave app, and for just $1 per month, that's $12 a year, which is way less than an overdraft fee, and you'll never have to pay one again. Dave will help you budget for upcoming expenses, text you if you're spending too much, and if you need cash fast, advance you $75 in just 90 seconds. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban is an investor in Dave because he got crushed by overdraft fees in his 20s and wants you to never pay an overdraft fee again. 3 million people already use Dave to save up to $1,000 a year in overdraft fees. That's why it's the number one budgeting app in the app store. Just go to dave.com slash locked on. It really helps the show if you let them know you heard them here, then download Dave and never pay another overdraft fee again. It's immediate savings. Go now Dave.com slash locked on. Spelled just like it sounds. D-A-V-E. Dave.com slash locked on. Real quick, let's hit the Rams. Because here's where I think that the Rams the, the Rams game is different. Because I've already said, and this might be what kind of set Alex off, is that the Buccaneers can beat the Rams. We've already seen this team can bottle up an elite running back. And Todd Gurley is not the running back he was early last year. I don't care what the Rams say. He is not good uh, physically, you know, uh, health-wise. Jared Goff, and this is this is where James and I are going to disagree tomorrow, but maybe you can set the table. Unless you can point something out to me, or unless James can point something out to me, 
Jared Goff is not that good of a quarterback. No, he's not. The difference between Daniel Jones and Jared Goff that I see right now and why Daniel Jones was able to do what he did against the Buccaneers is Daniel Jones is inflappable. Going back to Duke, you can sack that dude and drill him into the grass. And on the very next pass, he will stand tall in the pocket and look for his target downfield. Jared Goff cares about pressure a lot. He does not like getting his hair tussled. No, you're. I, I agree with you 100. Um, percent Daniel Jones, dude, holy crap! I mean, he was just standing. He would not move in that pocket, and he would take whatever hit, whatever tackle, you know, just anything that came his way. He did not give a f. I mean, it was absolutely unreal. And Jared Goff does not like that. I mean, he's a Cali boy. I'm kidding. I'm not going to play that stereotype. I just had to be the stupid Southerner there for a second. Um, <laughs> I mean, I talked about um, his hair no, getting tussled, so I went there too. Yeah, right, fun. right. But no, I mean, I mean, dude doesn't know that the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, so, you know, do with that what you want. But um, anyways, um, he doesn't like pressure. And, dude, that's one thing I've noticed since I've been watching tape over the past few nights. Brian Allen, their center, not very good. As long as Vita Bay is groin, he didn't practice today. As long as he's not too hurt come Sunday, that should be a matchup that the Bucks can exploit. And Jameis has more passing touchdowns on the year so far. So, I mean, it's he's not that great. Um, it's definitely good. The offense is definitely going to go through Gurley or Malcolm Brown. Um, you know, they love to run that wide zone. So much is predicated off of that and what happens up front. So it's totally a game where Jameis could play better and possibly maybe help this team win a game. It, football is all about matchups. You know what I mean? From across the, across the board, it's all about matchups. And when you talk about quarterbacks that match up well against defenses that like to bring heavy pressure, the quarterback that doesn't care about that pressure is the kind of quarterback that matches up well against that defense. That's Daniel Jones. It's not Jared Goff. Definitely um, not. Yeah, Cooper Cup's been eaten. You know, Robert Woods has had some good games. Uh, Brandon Cooks is still dangerous with his speed. But here's the thing, guys. That Rams offense is predicated on yak. Yep. Like they have to get yak. And yep. what this defense has done very well, except for one play so far this season, which was the 75 yard touchdown that helped me win my week three fantasy matchup, mm-hmm. is tackle and stop yak. After looking at the tape, man, I think that 75, I haven't heard anything, but I think that touchdown, I think that was a miscommunication on defense. That's how I got it. I know you're talking about the missed tackle from Mike Edwards, but I think right. Levante, I think Levante was supposed to have Evan Ingram in there and Daniel Jones just uh, fooled Levante. At least that's what I gathered from it. Maybe. And I'll tell you, uh, Bruce talked about, you know, guys playing within the system, playing within the scheme, playing their assignment versus trying to do other people's jobs. Uh, that, that play to uh, Darius Slayton uh, is supposed to happen, but just for using a little bit of football common sense. It doesn't right. make sense for that safety to fall the way that he did and kind of crash the way that he did. So the fact that that safety crashed instead of staying back, because if that safety stays back, Slayton doesn't have that lane, and Slayton's not coming open over the, over that side of the field, um, and that that play doesn't happen. If that play doesn't happen, who knows if that touchdown to Sterling Shepard happens. Uh, and then Arians talked about that touchdown to Sterling Shepard where they were supposed to have inside-out coverage on Sterling Shepard. They had two guys assigned to him, one to play the inside uh, release, one to play the outside release. The guy that was supposed to cover the outside – broke on the inside trying to make a play. Well, instead of trying to make a play, be where you're supposed to be at, right? Exactly. Um, the ball will come to you. Yeah, so that's that's really all it's, it's about, and that's what we saw in the first half was the defense playing within the sel- themselves. I mean, I wouldn't think it was too far-fetched to say this, this defense went into the locker room feeling themselves a little too much, came out of the locker room the second half, got punched in the mouth. Yeah, so we're, we're fully onto the Rams now. Like, no more talk about the Giants until next year. Give me a bold prediction for Sunday in Los Angeles – Give me a winner and a, and a 
in a final score. And I know you're at a huge disadvantage because it's Wednesday. Wednesday, we've only got one injury report. Like between right. now and the actual game, there's like three guys on the injury uh, report that could get ruled out, and your your prediction gets blown out of the water. But uh, let's put you on the spot anyway. Give me give me a bold prediction. Give me a score prediction and a winner. Man, and I've got my I've got one more night of tape review, and that's tonight before I before I make my official predictions. But you know what, man, I'm just gonna go with what my gut's been telling me all week, and I promise I, this is not me being a fan. This is 100 percent objective. I think Tampa Bay is going to pull it out. I really do. I'm not trying to be a cheerleader on this at all. I think Todd Bowles is going to wake his guys up. I think he's going to wake himself up. I think Bruce is going to want redemption after last week, after the last two weeks, honestly. Um, And I think they're going to have this team ready. I think this team is going to be ready. I think there are plenty of matchups to where they can exploit them enough. I think the running game is going to be key. I said last week that it was going to be the passing game that was going to be key. This week, I think it's going to be the running game. Um, you can run against this Rams front, and if you can get some RPOs, some misdirections, some counterplays going against this Rams defense, then you can have a lot of success against them. Um, the Panthers were able to do that. They had a couple of really bad turnovers that actually lost in that game, um, in my opinion. So, man, I think Tampa Bay does it uh, 28 to 23 um, on Sunday. All right, the Bucks winning is your bold prediction. I don't know which way I'm going yet. I have one more day before I'm forced to make my own predictions, so I'm going to take advantage of that. Uh, but, Evan, we appreciate your time, as always. Um, this episode obviously ran a little bit long, but it's okay. We had a lot to talk about. Uh, for the listeners, for the voicemails that made it, guys, we appreciate all your voicemails. We appreciate all your insight. We understand your frustration. Trust me, nobody's trying to tell you not to be frustrated. All we're doing is trying to shed a little bit of objective light onto why things could get better. They may not get better. Like just being fully, completely honest, they may not get better. Things could actually get worse too. Uh, that's that's happened before. Um, <laughs> yes, it has. It's happened all too, all, all too often. <laughs> yeah, but just like we will talk about Mike Edwards missing tackles, outside inside coverage, not staying disciplined, Levante David potentially missing his own read. We're also going to sit here and tell you about the good, about the Vernon Hargrave stepping up, about Peyton Barber running hard, Ronald Jones finding lanes, because there's good and there's bad. Uh, it's it's it, none of it, you know. It's we're not getting paid by the Buccaneers, so trust me. Anything we say is coming from the heart. And for Evan, I'm in a private group chat with Evan Winter, so trust me, guys. Evan Evan ebbs and flows just like the rest of us, and Evan is very, if anything, he's very honest with his opinions in the moment, and then after he does homework as well. So. You can take that uh, for what it's worth uh, from me. We're going to get out of here. James and I will be back. We'll be back on Friday with our final preview of the week four match against the Los Angeles Rams with our own bold predictions, key players, and my final score prediction. Um, If you have your own bold predictions or score predictions that you want to bring up, please feel free to do so uh, by calling 813-444-5841. If you have any week four Rams, Bucks, comments, questions, bold predictions, you need to get them in before Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. After that, I can't make any promise that they'll get in. Please try to keep them under a minute. Until then, guys, everybody be safe. Uh, be happy. You know what I mean? Um, enjoy enjoy the days without Bucks losses because on Sunday you may get another one. But until we talk again next time, thank you so much for joining us right here at Lockdown Bucks. Back.